Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Hello everyone and welcome to Work in Progress, the personal productivity science insights podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week, we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. I am your host, Joanna. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Work in Progress. I am your host, Joanna, and as you know, this is a space where we talk all things productivity and especially how we can maximize it. Today, we'll be chatting about exercise and how we can make more time in our lives for this really important aspect of our health, but also save time doing it. And today I'm joined by Jackson Fife, who is a senior lecturer in exercise science at Deakin University here in Melbourne. Hi, Jackson. How are you? Good. How are you? Great. Thank you. Thanks for being with us today. Um, would you like to just introduce yourself with a bit about who you are and what it is you do? Sure. Yeah. So I'm, as you said, I'm a senior lecturer at, at Deakin University. So I work within our Institute for Physical Activity and Nutrition. Yeah. Um, so part of my role is to uh, teach uh, mainly in our undergraduate exercise science program. So I teach mainly about uh, exercise prescription. So how to prescribe exercise uh, to different population groups, um, as well as a little bit about exercise physiology, which is how the body functions and adapts to exercise as well. Um, so that's the teaching side. And then I also conduct research in um, exercise for, for health, particularly uh, with a recent focus on, on older adults. Yeah, amazing. And how did you know you wanted to get into like exercise science? Yeah, so I think I was always interested in how the body works. Mm. Um, so from a young age, uh, yeah, really loved learning about, um, I didn't know what it was back then in terms of anatomy and physiology, but I really just liked learning about the body systems um, and, and how they work and was always interested in sport as well. So pretty um, active playing sport growing up. So um, sort of, you know, towards the end of my high school studies, studied PE and, you know, that um, started to, to lend itself a lot more to understanding how the body works during exercise. And so just, yeah, getting into a degree like exercise science was just a, I guess, a natural combination of my interest in in how the body works and, and, and sport and exercise as well. So sort of took it from there. Yeah, amazing. Just fit right in. Yeah. Which is great. So I think we're in great hands to talk about today's topic. But before we get into it, we've just got a few get to know, I guess, questions. So here I'm just going to ask you a few little different things and feel free to have, respond however you'd like to. So my first one is books. Are there any books you're reading? Any recommendations you've got? Yeah, so... I think with my reading, I normally stick to sort of the, the non-fiction uh, side of things, but um, one book that I've kind of reread a couple of times recently, um, it's a book called Atomic Habits um, okay. by James Clear, and that I really like that book because it, I think it really had um, yeah a lot of impact on my thinking around um, things like exercise and really any any habits that could be good or bad and sort of how to, how to make positive habits, how to break bad ones. Um, so I, I really yeah, enjoyed that, that book in particular, um, again, because I think it's had a flow and effect for, um, what I do personally with various things, including exercise, um, but also informed how I think about, um, the kind of research that we might do in the exercise space to hopefully impact, um, what people do in the real world. So, yeah, amazing. And I know you said you're into like nonfiction, but have you read much fictional or, not really. Um, it's something that I want to do a little bit more of. Yeah. Um, but I no, not really. Nothing recent sort of springs to mind um, fiction-wise, but I, it is something that I do want to, to get into a bit more. Yeah, that's fair. Um, are you into movies at all? Yeah, I wouldn't say I'm a massive movie buff, but I do, yeah. I do enjoy movies. Um, I've got um, two young uh, girls, my wife and I've got two young girls. Yeah. Um, so we sort of Carving out time for movies is a yeah. little bit harder these days. We tend to sort of stick more to TV series and things like that that can be done in smaller chunks. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I do enjoy 
movies as well, yeah. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Have you guys been watching anything together? Uh, yeah, so what did we just finish? We just finished watching Ted Lasso. Um, oh, okay. Which was a really yeah. awesome um, series. I think it just finished its third season um, and I think it's finished now uh, for good, which is a bit sad, but that was a, a really amazing show. One of those ones where kind of start seems to start with a bit of a kind of abstract sort of silly idea um, mm. and um, really quickly, yeah, the characters draw you in and, um, yeah, it's quite inspiring. Like so you kind of just feel a range of emotions when you watch sort of different episodes. Yeah. Um, so we really, really enjoyed that, yeah. Awesome. I personally haven't watched it but I've heard a lot about it yeah. so I'll have to add that one to the list. And we're on a podcast so it's only fitting that I ask you if you listen to podcasts at all. Yeah, absolutely. Um, tends to be what I do when I'm sort of travelling to and from work in the car. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, definitely. Um, again, most of them tend to be kind of more, yeah, I guess professional <laughs> focused. Um, one in particular that I listen to a lot is called The Drive um, okay. by an um, American physician called Peter Atia. Um, so the focus on that is around the science of health and longevity um, and, um, yeah, breaks down various different topics that feed into that, including exercise, but also nutrition and sleep and um, talks about the role that um, those different things can have in different disease states um, and just basically how to, to live a longer and, and better life. So personally, I've yeah, found a lot of enjoyment listening to that, um, particularly around um, the benefits of exercise for, for health span and longevity. Yeah, awesome. I personally have been like massively into like fictional types of podcasts, but I need to get into like more professional ones. Yeah. I feel like they'd be so much more interesting and I actually learn a lot from them. I'm kind so. of the opposite. I need to, yeah. Yeah, I need to diversify. <laughs> so I'm working on it too. Don't yeah. worry. Yeah. And our next one is, do you have like a famous role model? I know this question is like so tricky sometimes or even just anyone in your life that's inspirational. Um, so I guess, role, I mean, natural role models, my parents, um, yeah. big inspirations um, uh, to me and, yeah, have allowed me to, to be where I am today. Um, so I always look up to them. Um, others that are kind of outside of family, I guess, yeah, I've just mentioned Peter Atiyah. I, th I think he's quite, um, and in, um, I've never met him before, but um, follow a lot of his work and I guess have been really inspired by um, his, um, his approach to, improving people's health and um, longevity, um, but also his ability to communicate complex topics in a really simple way um, has been really inspiring to me. So I think, um, yeah, I tend to follow a lot of his work and got a lot of um, enjoyment and um, I guess inspiration from the work he does. So, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And I think being able to like explain really complex things simply is like so amazing and it makes it more even enjoyable to read their work or listen to them talk about their work. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. And lastly, I just want to ask you if there's any courses you've completed that are inspirational to you or you hold on to. Um, yeah, I'm going to sound really boring now because again, I keep going back to work related things, but That's um, okay. something I did recently, um, which probably impacted me a lot as a researcher. Um, I mean, you, you say the word statistics and people probably just stop listening, but <laughs> um, really interesting course um, that I did, just a free online course um, on, uh, it's called Improving Your Statistical uh, Inferences by mm. a Dutch researcher called Daniel Larkins and just a free online course where he really just breaks down um, statistics um, in a really simple way, um, which is so important for research. I mean, that's what, you know, we use statistical tools to be able to say what what works if we're looking at an exercise intervention, mm. what works, does it work better than other um, types of exercise, for example. So it's so critical to our ability to to know what we know. Um, yeah. So, uh, and I think it's an area that certainly as a researcher, um, we don't get great training in, um, but it's so critical. So I think going through that course, it was one of those courses where you, you sort of do it and you think, well, oh, I wish I had access to this, you know, years ago. Yeah. Um, and the fact that it was sort of online and free was just amazing. So, yeah, that had a lot of impact on me professionally. Yeah, that's really great. And I think free resources, especially when it comes to learning, should be so much more accessible. Yeah. Yeah. So that's amazing. And I think before we jump into the questions, I thought we could do like a little nice get an interesting fact from you because I've been looking through at some of like the work you've done and like I noticed that there's a lot of myths and so many different perspe 
perceptions about exercising and there's so much content being made on like social media about do this or do that. Is there anything that you would like to debunk or there's like a common misconception about exercising? There's so many, I guess. Um, probably the main thing that feeds into a lot of the work I've been doing more recently is that um, a lot of people think that for exercise to be beneficial, it's got to be, you know, quite complex and mm. also time consuming. Yeah. So, you know, the idea that you have to really, you know, work very hard during exercise and you have to really sweat it out for for there to be benefits, I think that's a really big misconception that mm. um, probably prevents a lot of people from exercising in the first place, let alone exercising regularly. Yeah. Um, so I think that's probably the main one. Um that I can think of right now. There's like tons of um, myths around resistance or strength training. Yeah. That tends to be my sort of focus is, uh, or a lot of my expertise is around uh, resistance or strength training. Um, so there's tons of myths there. You know, the idea that um, if you strength train a certain body part that you'll kind of, you know, lose body fat in that specific area. Yeah. So this idea of toning or spot reduction is um, is is a myth. Um those sort of things, you know, some people are not interested in strength training because I think that if they do it within, you know, overnight, they're going to turn into a bodybuilder and yeah. they're looking bulky and yeah. you know, that sort of thing. So we know that that's simply not the case. It takes uh, many, many weeks and months for that to occur. So, um, yeah, I think it's just, you know, a lot of people have these sort of misconstrued expectations about exercise, either what it requires to get a benefit or what sort of benefits should they expect. And I think that both of those are really common barriers to, to engaging in regular exercise. Yeah, definitely. And I've personally been curious about this, but does DOMS like actually, is that a proper indicator that you've been like working out effectively? So that is a big misconception as well. And, okay. you know, you're right. A lot of people will use that as kind of a marker of whether, you know, they've had a good exercise session or yeah. not. If they don't feel any soreness or fatigue in their muscles, kind of think, oh, I didn't really work hard enough, you know, to yeah. get a benefit. Um, but that's certainly not the case. So we know that muscle damage tends to really happen when you're unaccustomed to exercise. So okay. when you first start exercising, if you do something new, um, particularly any exercise that involves what we call eccentric contraction, so when the muscles are, are lengthening under load, um, which is, you know, for example, when you're lowering a weight, mm. your muscle is contracting, but it's lengthening. Yeah. And we know exercise um, that involves those eccentric actions. Um, you know, running is another example where you are sort of, you know, lowering or controlling your body weight um, when you land. Those types of exercise tend to involve, uh, tend to cause um, muscle damage, which causes muscle soreness. Um, and again, uh, it tends to really happen mainly when you are unaccustomed to that type of exercise. So when you first start the exercise, mm program, you'll get quite sore and then you keep doing it. And over time you'll get less and less sore to the point where you don't really get sore anymore unless you introduce something new. Yeah. So, um, that doesn't match up with the way we know that, you know, changes or adaptations to exercise work is that they progressively, you know, generally increase over time, whereas the opposite's happening with sauna. So that tells you that it's not really related to, to soreness. Um, it doesn't really tell us a lot about the changes that we get long-term. Yeah, that's really interesting because I think a lot of people, even myself, I would think I have to go to the gym and if I don't feel the pain that nothing's actually happening. So I think it's good to like get that out there. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. So let's get straight into these interview questions. So my first one for you is over the course of your experience, how would you personally define personal productivity? Yeah. So I think for me, and I guess, yeah, it's, it's highly individual, I guess. I mm. think a lot of this comes back to what, you know, you value. Um, yeah. And I, I guess for me, you know, if we think about productivity work-wise, I think it's it's all about, for me at least, working on projects and things that I'm passionate about um, and, you know, ensuring that I'm spending my time um, being quite focused on those projects, not doing a lot of things that don't align with, you know, what I really want to achieve. Um, so it's, yeah, really being able to, to spend focused time on the things that I want to work-wise, which in turn then allows more time and energy for other things in life that I value as well. So if that's family, social uh, time, and also just being having time to you know look after yourself with exercise and things like that. So I think, 
Yeah, I think it's really um, around, yeah, it comes down to sort of, you know, being efficient, knowing what's important to you, being efficient at achieving that um, and um, allowing yourself to yeah, have a range of experiences across different domains that you find fulfilling as well. So Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like productivity is so like multifaceted as well and it's yeah. very individual to that person and what they define productivity as. So that's really great. And do you think that there is anything that people get wrong when it comes to personal productivity and what it is? Yeah, probably the main thing I'd say would be maybe, you know, again, it is highly individual, mm. but um, a lot of people may be associating productivity a little bit too much with what they do for work, uh, maybe. Um, so pouring all their energy in, into that um, and perhaps neglecting other areas of, of their life um, as well that, that they may value. So that's probably the main thing. And probably the other major thing would be equating time on task or time in the office with productivity rather yeah. than actually, you know, quality work. Um, again, from a professional standpoint, I think that's probably another major yeah, thing where people get it wrong. Yeah, for sure. Like the whole quality over quantity thing mm. applies here, I reckon. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And I'd like to kind of combine the exercising part of this now. So how would you define efficient exercising? I know we like touched a bit on it with like debunking those misconceptions, but what do you think? Yeah, I think if we're being efficient with our exercise, we're, um, we're doing enough to get a benefit in terms of what we are, you know, what we're wanting to get out of exercise. Um, I guess people can have a a, a range of reasons why they might engage in exercise. Obviously, there's general health benefits, but people might have specific goals they're working towards as well. So I think part of it is just um, yeah, ensuring that we're we're doing enough to work towards those goals, um, but we're not again kind of overstepping that mark that we're spending you know too much time doing it, and then it's kind of interfering with um, you know other areas of life. Or if it gets too onerous, then um, it becomes not feasible anymore, and then we mm. we sort of revert to doing nothing. So I think, I think, yeah, sort of finding that middle ground between you know we don't want to be doing nothing, but we also don't want to be doing too much. It's probably not a problem that a lot of people have, but too much that then it it's not sustainable, and it's also then interfering with perhaps other you know things that we might want to spend time on in life as well, if that's you know family or friends or whatever that might be. So yeah, and like, how would people go about like striking that balance? Would it be something like trial and error? Yeah, I think um, I think yeah, we, we just need to find, you know, each person needs to kind of find what is feasible for them, what works for them. So, um, you know, just trying to, again, uh, find types of exercise that you enjoy first and foremost, um, but trying to see, you know, what is something that they could stick to quite regularly in their schedule yeah. um, and just focusing on uh, on doing that. I think a, a lot of benefits of exercise just come from consistency. So yeah. engaging in some form of exercise on a regular basis rather than focusing too much on trying to do the perfect program or whatever it might be. Um, so I think it's just, yeah, doing just just doing enough so that um, you're doing something, you're not doing nothing, um, and you're doing that quite regularly. And then it's the next challenge is sticking to that long enough to actually see the benefits. Because for a lot of people, the benefits a lot of people want out of exercise um, don't happen that quickly. Mm. So the challenge is sort of, yeah, just sticking to it long enough to be able to then see those benefits and then you're getting that feedback, oh, actually what I'm doing is working. Yeah. Um, but there are a lot of other short-term benefits as well that people can kind of tap into that kind of keep you on that path that probably a lot of people aren't aware of or don't focus on when it comes to exercise. So there's probably a few different ways there. Yeah, so really like committing to what you're doing if you want to see those long-term results. Yeah, I think a lot of it comes down to just focusing on the process instead of the outcome. Um, mm, yeah. So, yeah, we need long-term goals to, you know, set direction, but a lot of people just kind of set those goals and don't really identify the steps they need to put in place to go towards those goals and don't put systems in place to keep them on that path. Mm. So, you know, if you have a long-term goal to, you know, improve your muscle mass or, you know, improve your aerobic fitness or whatever it might be, um, you know, to get to where you want, that could be, you know, six months, 12 months more down the track. So a lot of people sort of set those goals and just think, oh, I'm just going to, 
you know, keep training towards that. But for a lot of people, it, it's quite hard because obviously it's a long-term thing and then, you know, it requires you to keep training regularly. And if we're not focusing on ways to just kind of keep showing up for, for, for our exercise sessions, then it can kind of lead us astray a little bit, I think. so. Yeah, for sure. And do you think social media plays a role in this? Because I know I come across so many videos that are like five minute abs, like do this once a day for a week to get abs kind of thing. Do you think that contributes to this? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, it could, could lead to people believing that they are going to get results a lot quicker than, yeah. um, than they in reality they will. Um, but and the other thing as well is it can also maybe give people unrealistic expectations of what exercise should or needs to be to be effective. So they mm. might see people who are, um, you know, in, in, in you know, they're, they're, they're quite fit um, in, in various different ways and they might be seeing how they train and think, well, that's the only way that I'm going to get, you know, anywhere close to that is by training like they will. And I think that's another area where people get it wrong as well is that they try and do too much too quickly. Um, again, it just becomes unsustainable or things like injuries and things happen and it sort of forces them to, to stop or sort of pick it back. Um, but yeah, I think for the most part, social media isn't, isn't great for um, setting good expectations with regards to exercise. Yeah, I think there's a bit of an unhealthy like exercise culture that is mm. being built there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yep. And how would you say efficient exercising influences personal productivity? Yeah, I, th I think it comes back to time management for me, I guess. Um, if we are being efficient with exercise, you know, we're more likely to do it because we're not having to devote as much time to it. And then if we're not devoting as much time to it, we've got more time for other areas, again, that um, might feed into to productivity or, you know, getting fulfilment in different areas as well. So I think that's certainly from my perspective, the way I look at it as well. Um, you know, I'd like to exercise regularly, but I don't really like to spend more time than I have to because I know that then that's going to take away from other things as well. Um, so yeah, that's probably how I would how I would look at it. Yeah. yeah, amazing. And I'd love to talk about physical inactivity because I know you've looked a bit at this. Um, what do you think makes it makes it difficult for people to maintain exercising and maintaining time for it? Yeah, I guess there's a lot of different factors. Um, I mean, you know, the most cited barrier to exercise is always lack of time. Um, whether or not that's actually the case is is another thing. That's what most people say when you, when they're asked, you know, why don't you exercise um, or what's getting in the way of you exercising? Often they'll say it's a lack of time. But in reality, we know that people have um, a lot more leisure time available to them than they need for exercise they're just choosing to spend it on different different things for the for the most part um so um yeah so i think that's sort of one of the main barriers in terms of why people don't um kind of engage in exercise and 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 do it regularly um there's a whole host of other things as well um you know that perception that yeah exercise needs to be really challenging and painful to be effective like if yeah. i'm not crawling out the gym and don't have those sore muscles and feel really fatigued, well, you know, I wasted my time. It's just simply not the case. So I think yeah. that, again, that a lot of those misconceptions about what we need to do for exercise to work is getting in the way of people just doing it regularly. Um, so I think the answer to that a lot of the time is just to simplify down what we're doing and, and really just focus on trying to be a little bit more consistent and regular with exercise, even if it's a ridiculously small amount of exercise if we just establish a base of being consistent and you know just keep showing up um i think that goes a long way to to getting people towards the long-term goals that they might be looking for yeah for sure and are there any strategies that people might be able to use to help them you know make time for even the smallest bit of exercise yeah look i, I think this is where i mentioned the book atomic habits earlier i think um you know if we think about exercise like a habit like we want to you know, in an ideal world, we want to make physical activity exercise as something that is habitual, that's automatic, that we don't really need to think about all that much. Um, you know, it's just something that we do. It's part of what we do. Um, so, um, yeah, there definitely are some strategies that we can use to kind of make exercise a little bit more, a um, little bit easier, a little bit uh, more attractive and, you know, so that we want to exercise a little bit more, a little bit more rewarding. So, yeah. Um, 
you know, it could be just simple things like, again, if we're, if we're setting our expectations quite low in terms of what we're going to do with exercise, so if we just condense it down to even if it's something like a five or ten minute bout of exercise, it could be like, you know, going for a walk around the block or walking to the end of the street and back, something simple like that. I think that immediately, you know, removes that time barrier. It um, makes it easier for people to go from just doing nothing to then the decision from between doing nothing to doing something is much easier. Mm. So there's even things like that. Um, there's things like making, I guess, putting cues in your environment to make exercise a bit more obvious. So it could be something as simple as, um, you know, if you intend to exercise the next morning, um, just leaving your, you know, your gym clothes out, you know, somewhere where you'll see them. Yeah. Um, leaving your running shoes out so that when you get home, you know, you'd see them, you put your running shoes on and you go for a walk or run or whatever you want to do. Yeah. Um, so things like that, making things a little bit more obvious, just making it easier. So you're sort of removing that friction of having to make that decision to exercise and putting less barriers in between, yeah, what you, um, yeah, barriers between what, you, what you're doing and, 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 and making that decision to exercise. Yeah, for sure. And how can we make time for this without having to sacrifice like other responsibilities in our life? I think a big part of this is just being really deliberate about scheduling time. Um, a lot of people might just say, look, yeah, today I want to, I want to try and go to the gym or want to go for a walk, but they just kind of go through the day and sort of think, oh, I've got a rough idea of when I might do it, but you know, I'll just, I'll just get it done. And then things get in the way. So I think actually like, you know, if you're, I mean, this is sort of the approach I use. If I've got my calendar where I've got different things that I'm working on during the day, I will deliberately block out time at some stage in the day to exercise, um, you know, on sort of most days of the week so that, um, you know, if I stick to my tasks during the other times that I've allocated um, time for, um, then, you know, I've, I've, I've got that time there. I've protected it and I've said I'm going to do it. So you kind of, yeah, by scheduling it, you're kind of telling yourself that you will do it in that time. Um, and again, through some of those other strategies around just, yeah, simplifying exercise, it just makes it, I think, a little bit easier to, to actually, um, yeah, get it done so yeah for sure and along the lines of like fitting in time in your schedule for that do you have any like strategies you could share with people for how to make like an exercise plan or one that like works for them and the time they've got available uh yeah i think if we're talking you know exercise plans um it probably comes down to um you know their goals to a certain extent um although i do think that you know for most people doing any form of activity, you know, whether that's just walking or if it is going to the gym, you know, lifting weights, that sort of thing, mm -hmm. doing anything is going to be beneficial. Um, so I think um, for most people just, yeah, finding finding some sort of exercise that they, they think they could do regularly and they enjoy. Yeah. I think that's the main thing. It is, it's not, it shouldn't be about doing something, you know, a type of exercise because, someone told you that it's, you know, good for mm. improving your strength or good for some other long-term benefit, it should be uh, really because, um, you know, you can do it, you feel like you can do it, you, can, you enjoy it. Um, because if you don't, then I think it's very hard to stick to in the long term. Um, so, you know, there certainly are benefits to different types and forms of exercise and different exercise programs um, for sure, but there's also a lot of overlap between different types of exercise, particularly in people that aren't exercising very regularly. If you're talking about, you know, the 1% of the population, the elite athletes, then clearly they're very, very focused on very specific training for specific goals. Um, but for most other people for general health benefits, there is a lot of crossover between different types of exercise. So again, I think it just comes down to um, finding, um, whatever you think that you could do, um, quite regularly, mm. um, and starting there yeah. and just focusing on trying to do that quite regularly, even yeah. if it seems like it's something that, you know, is, you know, you're not getting a sweat up, you're not feeling sore yeah. and you're like, oh, is this really going to do anything? But I think once you do stick to that, it just, it sets the foundations. A, it, a, it makes you, you know, consistent in terms of, you know, being able to, exercise regularly, whatever that might be, but it also just sets that foundation that once you establish that, you can always, you know, do more if you if you want. Um, try different types of exercise that might give you diff slightly different benefits. Um, 
but you can have the best program in the world, but if you can't stick to it and you yeah. don't do it long term, it just doesn't work. So Yeah, for sure. So would you place more emphasis on doing a type of exercise that you enjoy over like prioritizing goals and then doing exercises that you don't enjoy? Yeah, I, I think so. I think goals are important because I, I do think that people need to have their their why in mind. So, you know, thinking of goals that, you know, really tap into, um, you know, their sense of purpose or, you know, having some broader reason for why they might want to improve their health or fitness. Mm. Um, you know, that could be, you know, something like, you know, thinking about the types of things you want to do um, in your in your later years. You know, if you think about your last decade of life, for example, what sort of physical tasks would you want to be able to do? Um, again, Peter Atia has a great um, sort of framework for this. He calls it the um, the centenarian decathlon. So yeah. he thinks about and gets his patients to think about a list of ten um, activities that they would like to be able to do. Not necessarily when they're 100, but maybe in their last decade of life. So it could be, you know, pick up a young child who's running at you. Um, it could be carrying groceries, you know, for three blocks or whatever. Um, it could be walking up a set of stairs, getting up off the floor without support. So thinking about those tasks and then thinking about exercises that you could do that kind of mimic those tasks setting goals around, okay, if I'm going to be able to pick up a young child who's 15 kilograms when I'm 90, if I know that I'm going to naturally lose strength as I get older, when I'm 80, I need to be able to lift, you know, certain amounts, a little bit heavier than that, 20 kilos, when I'm 80 and so on, working backwards from there to kind of set. So it sort of gets people to think, okay, I'm exercising not just because I know it's good for me, but because it's going to help me you know, have a better quality of life and allow me to do the things that I that are important to me when mm. I'm when I'm older. So that's I guess that's one way of thinking about it. Yeah. And that's one way where long term goals can be important. Um, but as I said before, I think a lot of people get a little bit sometimes a bit too focused on long term goals and uh, with, but neglecting the short term kind of I guess yeah that path towards those goals. So sort of you know because the reality is a lot of those long term goals they are long term. So a lot of the benefits in relation to those goals aren't seen for a long time. So for a lot of people, if they're making a decision between sitting on the couch and going to exercise, often that discrepancy between the effort required to exercise or the perceived effort um, and, you know, how long they'll have to do that to get a, their benefit, often that balances out for a lot of people and that really prevents them from exercising. So, Yeah, yeah. for sure. And just in terms of like when people go to do these exercises, how do they know they should commit to it and that they will see the results that they want to see? Or is there a point in time that they should stop? Um, I think oh look, I, th I think the main message is that any activity is beneficial. Mm -hmm. So we know that when it comes to health benefits of exercise, the greatest benefits that we see in terms of how much exercise we see the greatest benefits when people go from doing nothing to something. That okay. is when the greatest benefits occur. Beyond yeah. that, there are, you know, benefits up until a certain point in terms of a dose or amount of exercise people are doing, but it's the, the greatest benefits are going from nothing to something. So I think, again, I think for most people, you know, given that most people don't meet exercise guidelines, um, which doesn't necessarily mean they're not doing anything, but... Um, I think for most people, just just going from nothing to something is is going to get them a lot of the benefits, and that's not you know really a you know a sexy message, and it's mm -hmm. not you know do this optimal exercise program and you'll get X benefit in X amount of weeks. But I think in reality, it's just getting people to do something. And I think I think if we start saying, look, this is what program you should follow um, for these benefits, I think it just I, I think it just makes exercise a little bit harder for people. Yeah, for rather sure. than just saying, look. Just move. Just find something that you enjoy. It doesn't really matter what it is. Try and stick to it um, with some other strategies that you can put in place. Um, and then, sure, over time, if you want to, yeah, do more or do something different, you can do that. But unless you have that that sort of foundation of consistent, regular exercise, you know, it, it is harder to see those long term benefits. Yeah, for sure. I think finding something you enjoy and like being able to see that as like why you're doing it as well is yeah. important. Yeah. And what are like the health benefits? What are maybe like top three? Oh, top three. Um, 
Yeah, look, there's, 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 you know, very wide ranging benefits of exercise. Um, so, um, yeah, if we think about um, reducing our risk of, of chronic disease, so, you know, some decent evidence um, that long-term exercise, you know, reduces the risk of various chronic diseases. Um, if you think about cardiovascular disease, you know, hypertension, type 2 diabetes, um, obesity, um, these sorts of conditions that can have a really big impact on, on quality of life. Um, and what we're finding more and more, and, you know, it used to be the case that people sort of associated aerobic type exercise, running, swimming, cycling, walking, um, with a lot of the, you know, having a lot of the benefits for those sort of chronic disease conditions. Um, you know, whereas sort of resistance or strength training was kind of seen as something that people just do if they just want to get stronger and um, grow some muscle. But actually what we're seeing is that there's a really, you know, large crossover in the benefits of different types of exercise, including aerobic and, and strength training or lifting weights in, in, in sort of reducing risk of those, those chronic diseases. So even something like strength training um, can have really large benefits for those um, types of um, chronic diseases. So I guess, yeah, reducing risk of chronic disease um, when it comes to, um, you know, particularly resistance exercise, improvements in physical function. Uh, if we're looking at older adults, you know, we know that, you know, from the age of, um, you know, really from the age of 30 onwards, where we're starting to, to actually hit our sort of peak muscle mass um, and, and, and strength. And then certainly from 40 or 50 onwards, we're starting to see a progressive loss of um, not only muscle mass, but strength and also what we call power, so our ability to, to move quickly. Mm. Um, those things are, are decreasing. So, you know, particularly resistance exercise has a positive effect on um, offsetting those losses. And we know those things are really strong predictors of people's independence, um, their risk of dying early, um, other adverse events like falls and fractures, those sorts of things. Um, so that's a really another, yeah, big benefit of, of, of exercise as well. So yeah, I think you're just reducing chronic disease risk, um, improving physical function, mobility. Um, and also there's, you know, some pretty considerable mental health benefits um, as well that, um, yeah, that seem to be, um, you know, caused by um, or, or benefited by uh, aerobic and resistance exercise as well. So again, really big crossover, but yeah, there's the physical benefits and also those, those sort of mental health cognitive type benefits as well. Yeah, awesome. And total hypothetical, but if someone were to, you know, decide that gym's their thing, they want to start going to the gym and do like strength tra training, how would they go about like this idea of reps and sets and figuring out what works for them? Yeah. Yeah. So I guess to, to, to break it down, so when you, you know, you want to do some resistance or strength training, I guess the first thing you've got to think about is, you know, what exercises am I, am I going to do? Um, and then when you're doing those exercises, as you said, typically you're doing them for a number of repetitions um, and then a set of repetitions would then form a set. So they're kind of like, you know, the three main, I guess, variables in terms of strength training. Um, so, um, yeah, in terms of exercise selection, I think, um, you know, people can think about exercises as different types of movements rather than different exercises. So, for example, um, you can have this, this various exercises that would be considered um, upper body pushing type exercises, um, something like a bench press or um, a, a shoulder press or something like that. So those, must, those exercises tend to work um, sort of, you know, your chest and shoulders and triceps. You can have upper body pulling exercises like a lat pull down, seated row. Mm. And then you can have sort of push and pull type exercises for the lower body as well. So, yeah. so I think, um, you know, choosing what exercises to do, I think it's good to, to kind of have a spread of exercises across, across those sort of major movement patterns. And that means you're kind of training most of your major muscle groups. Really, you can train most major muscle groups with just three exercises. So if you okay. choose one upper body push, one upper body pull, and then one, even one lower body, you're going to hit most major muscle groups. Okay. Um, so you talk about efficient training in the gym. That's one way is just choosing exercises that um, train a lot of muscle groups at once. And they tend to be those multi-joint exercises that involve movement at more than one joint. So for example, with the upper body push, you've got the shoulder and your um, elbow moving, uh, which means that any muscles crossing those joints are going to be involved as opposed to just doing a single joint exercise like a tricep pushdown, 
movement at one joint, only engaging the triceps as opposed to not involving the, the pecs and the, the shoulders. So choosing multi-joint exercises, spreading them across those sort of three or four main movement patterns, you're going to hit most major muscle groups. So that's sort of the first thing. It's like, what do I do for exercises? Um, and then, yeah, it's like, all right, I'm going to lift a weight. How many reps? Um, I think, um, yeah, look, anywhere between sort of, you know, six to 20 or more repetitions is going to going to be fine. Um, again, I think someone just starting out should just worry about, you know, choosing a weight that they could lift somewhere between six to 20 times or so um, and um, focus on doing it with good technique. Um, that's going to get them um, considerable benefit if they keep keep doing that um, long term. And, and even as little as one set can have benefits. There's plenty of studies showing that even training with, with single sets of exercises can improve strength. Um, so, um, yeah, so I think it's kind of, yeah, just choosing a weight, lifting for a certain number of repetitions. Over time, if we want to focus more on getting stronger, we do need to try and lift heavier weights if we and that means sort of less repetitions so you might okay. be closer to that six rep range trying to lift a bit heavier once we've established a good base of solid technique and uh, and those kind of things um we know for muscle mass or muscle growth rep range doesn't really matter all that much we used to think that you had to kind of train between like you know eight to 15 reps to to get optimal muscle growth but we know that muscle can grow with rep ranges you know, anywhere between six to 20, even 30 reps per set. But we do know that when we're lifting weights and we're wanting to, to, to grow muscle, we do need to be training our set, taking our sets a little bit closer to the point of what we call um, momentary muscular failure, which is if you're doing a, if you're lifting a weight, you can only do it for a certain number of repetitions until you, then you can't lift uh, that weight again for another rep. Mm. So that's called the point of failure. Okay. It's very uncomfortable to get to that point. Um, yeah. But for muscle growth, um, and to kind of get engagement from most of the muscle fibers that you're training, you do need to kind of eventually train close to that point. Um, and again, we're talking a little bit more advanced there. Um, so yeah, a bit of a long-winded answer, but I think, look, as simple as, you know, doing three exercises, six to 20 reps somewhere in that vicinity, and also even as little as one set, people are going to get benefit. Okay, awesome. And do you recommend any resources people can go to if they're looking for like push, pull or like lower body exercises? Yeah, good question. Um, and look, there, there is a lot of information um, online, um, but uh, yeah, the, the quality of that does does vary quite a bit. Yeah, um, yeah in terms of um, I think Exercise and Sports Science Australia, so that's our governing body, I think they you jump onto their website they do um, I believe have some resources around um, perhaps different yeah types of exercises that one could um, could do from a, a strength training um, perspective um, but yeah there, there is lots of information on there I think for people mainly just interested in okay I want to know an exercise that that does train you know the back or my quadriceps or thigh muscles or something like that, I think just, yeah, jumping on a Google search, most people can find, you know, decent information if it's just talking about what exercises are targeting different muscle groups. Yeah. yeah, awesome. And lastly, do you think efficient exercising can improve our time management skills? Um, yeah, look, uh, I think, yeah, exercise does have benefits. I think that, um, you know, do flow onto productivity in other areas. So if you think about exercise, some of the short-term benefits of exercise being, you know, just improvements in mood and reductions in anxiety, those sort of things that are, you know, you know, in the short term, um, I think that could have flow-on effects to being productive in other areas as well. So, yeah. for example, if, you know, if you've got a busy day, often you think, oh, I, I don't have time to exercise. But then if you can manage to find time early in the day to do it, you'll probably find that your day might be a little bit less stressful, you know, because you've got those sort of benefits of improvements in, in mood and those other sort of cognitive type um, mental health benefits as well. Um, and also I think it's just nice to know that you have dedicated time to something that is important for your health as well. So, so yeah, I, I certainly find that as well. I think if I don't schedule time for whatever reason and I'm then getting quite busy with other things, it's quite frustrating because you feel like you're kind of, you're not, always yeah able to do things that um are positive for, for your health so so yeah i think absolutely it would have benefits in other areas if you can find time to to do regular exercise 
Yeah, awesome. And I'd love to move into our practices debrief section. So here, we're basically just going to ask you how you apply this in your own life. So is there like a practice you do to improve efficient exercising? I think a lot of it's just really what I've been talking about. Um, I think I used I used to be a, someone like having gone through exercise science, we learned a lot about you know how to how to design exercise programs to achieve you know you know a certain benefit like getting stronger, getting fitter, uh, that kind of thing, and kind of you know you practice writing programs and you kind of get really um, focused on trying to do that in the best way. Um, so. I've sort of been guilty of trying to um, focus a little bit more about more on, you know, in the past doing the perfect program, but mm. more and more what's really helped with me being able to exercise a lot more consistently is again, just trying to simplify things is sort of forgetting about what is, you know, perfect because in reality, there's no perfect exercise program. The perfect one is the one that you can do more regularly and consistently over the long term. So I think that's really helped me just sort of simplifying things, um, setting expectations really low, that mindset that something's always better than nothing, um, just, I guess, trusting in the process, you know, because a lot of the time, you know, I, countless times I'll I'll go to the gym and there'll be people training and almost always most people are still there when I leave. I don't spend a lot of time. And, and mm. I think initially it's like it's, you sort of almost can, need to convince yourself that if I just stick to this, it's going to work. Yeah. For a lot of people probably don't think, oh, this is just a waste of time. Like, yeah. But so it's just trusting in that process and then I think you find, you know, and then once you start seeing the benefits, then you just reinforce it. Okay, this is working. But there's a delay there. So yeah. Um, I think there's that. Again, other things I've already talked about, like trying to focus a bit more on those short-term benefits. Mm. So not saying, oh, I need to go to the gym because, you know, I want to try and get a bit stronger or whatever. It's like, no, I want to go to the gym because I think I'm going to feel better. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? So you, you get that benefit instantly and it's like, I don't really care long term. I just want to feel better. You know, you just want to have that sort of energy boost. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think there are a few strategies that I've used that, that have helped me. Yeah, for sure. And I think based on what you said, there's a lot of benefits for like your mental health and like how you approach exercise and building more of like a positive sort of idea around it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. that's really great. Do you have like a favorite way you like to exercise? Um. Yeah, look, I, I tend to – most of my exercise is, is in the gym. Um, yeah. So um, during COVID though, I mean, I, really since I did sort of my undergraduate studies, I've, I've been, yeah, relatively consistently exercising in the gym, lifting weights. That's sort of my primary exercise that I'll do. Um, so I try and do that, you know, three or four times a week and then just sort of, yeah, fitting in some general aerobic type activities around that if I can, but that might be sort of once or twice a week. But but then there's also just that incidental activity as well, just trying to kind of, you know, we, we always think of, you know, the word exercise is, and, and in reality, it does mean like structured exercise, something that you've kind of set aside to do and it's got some sort of structure to it, whereas I guess physical activity is a little bit more just general movement. Mm. Um, but I think a lot of that incidental physical activity, people often neglect. They don't think about that as being a contributor to um, their health. Mm. Um, so I think, yeah, wherever possible, just trying to find those opportunities to, to move, to be active, um, those sort of things as well. I can't remember if that answers your question. No, it does yeah. for sure. Yeah. And it also leads into me asking you about like challenges. Do you face any challenges when it comes to sticking to going to the gym? Yeah, I think the main, like, yeah, like just, just, I guess convincing yourself that what you're doing is, is going to be effective if you mm. keep going. Like, as I said, sometimes, you know because it's such a long-term thing, like you don't, there's some benefits that you don't see straight away. So it's just convincing yourself that, you know, yep, this is, um, this is positive. That's where I think focusing on those short-term benefits is, um, good as well. Um, I think the other thing is just, yeah, having those re realistic expectations. So just not, um, expecting things to change too, too quickly. If it's looking at, you know, something that's a, a health or fitness goal, for example. Um, and I think that certainly helps to kind of keep you, I think if you do have, yeah, expectations that are a little bit too high um, in terms of, you know, I'm going to achieve a certain benefit in a certain period of time, for example. We talked about how social media can play into that as well. Yeah. I think that that's a big reason for dropout when people, yeah, don't get the benefits that they're looking for. Um, think, look, it's too much effort for too little benefit. Um, that's when they tend to, to stop, I think, a lot of the time. So, so I'd say that's where probably people go wrong, yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. And yeah. do you normally make time or like certain times to do this practice in your life? Yeah, absolutely. Definitely always try and schedule time somewhere in the calendar to do it um, so that, you know, because not only then are you allocating time to do that, you're also, you know, making sure that everything else you got to do is is not, you know, interfering and, and you, you, you have to be realistic then mm. because that's why I like using a calendar-based system personally because I like... I, know, I need to know, all right, this is how I plan to spend my time during the day. And often, you know, let's say you go to schedule an exercise session in, and you're like, well, where's this going to fit? But then it comes down to priorities, I guess. Like a lot of time yeah. I'll do that and I'll be like, no, I need to exercise. So is there something in my day that I can move to another day? Hmm. So it's then, you know, so you're just being realistic, I guess, about your time. And, um, yeah, part of it, you know, is about working on things that you are, um, you know, that is a priority. And if that's something that, you know, if exercise falls into that, it just, I guess you just have to be diligent about making sure you schedule time. And then if there's other things that are less important or can wait to another day or next week, just moving them and uh, not letting those things that are less important get in the way of something like exercise. Yeah, for sure. And do you find that, you know, making time and prioritizing exercise in your schedule has helped your personal productivity? Yeah, definitely. I think so. Yeah. Just generally, I think I, I feel better. I just feel more productive, more energetic um, when, I, when I'm exercising regularly. So absolutely. I think it definitely does flow into other areas of life. Um, I also think it's, it's amazing how many kind of ideas for different, you know, research projects or different ways to kind of, you know, teach a certain concept in my classes that occur to me when I'm exercising. Yeah. Like I'm often oh, wow. just going for a walk or in the gym and then I'll just have this idea just randomly popping up in my head. So it's sort of, I don't know, it just has, yeah, it just has benefits I think for, um, yeah, definitely for productivity in other areas just from, yeah, feeling better and then, yeah, just those kind of ideas popping up as, you, as you're doing it. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so like a really great way to even just have some time to think and time for yourself. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like it, often you, you're working on something, say, and you're like, oh, I can't take a break now because I, I I just need to get this done. But it's amazing sometimes when you step away and you maybe, yeah, go for a walk or something like that, it, it does then stimulate sort of ideas and just gives you that energy boost. So then when you come back, so it's kind of like a bit of a paradox. Like you don't want to carve time out for exercise because you might be thinking, oh, I need to be productive on this task. But yeah. then if you don't do that, then your productivity probably suffers anyway, like because you, you don't get those benefits from um, from from the exercise. So mm. I think, yeah, that's something that um, I found found to be quite helpful. Yeah, and I think that's a really great way to think about it and just another added benefit. Mm. So that's awesome. I've got some questions from our audience for you now. Yep. And I really love this question, actually. So for individuals with limited mobility or physical constraints, what are some alternative ways to engage in physical activity? Yeah, so I think there's there's, there's certainly yeah, various options um, for people to, um, to, to, to still be active um, if they do have... Um, mobility limitations um and i guess it you know d depends on what what those limitations are um but certainly um you know exercising different body parts if we do have mobility limitations of the lower body for example trying to find types of activity that could um work the upper body um so certainly there's some you know aerobic type option options that we can use to work the upper body if it's you know something like a you know boxing or there's even sort of arm cranking type exercise um, when it comes to resistance training we can you know target various different types of the areas of the body with different exercises so um, so I think there's certainly options there um, depending on yeah individual constraints and um, in terms of their movement absolutely yeah. yeah. And do they provide similar health benefits to people who probably don't have any physical or mobility constraints? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, yeah, I think exercise can have wide ranging benefits no matter, um, yeah, no matter if, if you have any sort of um, mobility, mobility limitations or, or not. Um, you know, in certain instances, if there are mobility limitations, if, if we're thinking about, you know, for example, older adults who, who might have... Um, 
trouble with with movement and sort of daily activities we know that exercise can can help those um, positively as well just by improving their, their strength and their, their general physical function so um, yeah I think absolutely again any movement is good movement so just moving in whatever way we can I think is is, is positive overall yeah amazing yeah. and my next question is are there any tools apps or resources available that can help streamline and optimize like an exercise routine to save time uh resources um the top of my head uh look there's a lot of information you know online about exercise um as you know but and sifting through a lot of um, a lot of it can be can be quite challenging. Um, I think um, certainly if we're looking for exercise related information, um, if we are searching for it online, looking for stuff that's published by um, reputable um, governing bodies like Exercise and Sports Science Australia or ESSA, E um, So they have a lot of exercise um, resources and guidelines. Um, I think Exercise Right. Might be another one um, that might, yeah, have some good resources online. Um, so there are a couple of websites there yeah, that people can go to find information. Um, if other people are looking for support around exercise, a little bit more guidance, um, we do have um, uh, professionals called um, accredited exercise physiologists now who mm -hmm. are master's degree qualified um, professionals who specialize in exercise prescription for uh, not only people um, who have no health concerns, but also people with chronic diseases um, as well, if that's, you know, hypertension, cardiovascular disease, type 2 diabetes, um, et cetera, as well. Uh, and they're also qualified to prescribe exercise for people who have um, injuries or who are recovering from injuries, et cetera. So um, certainly, um, yeah, getting a consultation with a, an, an AEP or accredited exercise physiologist is a really good way to get, um, yeah, high quality support when it comes to exercise. Yeah, awesome. And I just had a question that popped into my head just then. So a question for me. Um, in terms of like personal trainers, do you believe they are like another option or a resource that can help people save time and be more productive while they exercise? Yeah, absolutely. I think anyone who, who does have some um, education in in exercise, uh, an exercise prescription can, can certainly help. Um, so, and, and look, that's the other thing as well is that um, aside from the kind of, I guess, education and, and help with what to do, there's also just that, I guess, social support that a lot of people, um, that helps a lot of people. So that's something else that can get people more engaged with exercise if they've got someone there helping them, showing them through uh, a program. So that could be someone like a personal trainer or an, an accredited exercise physiologist. Um, so that can help people be regular with their exercise. Um, and also just, you know, some people might just um, benefit from having like an exercise buddy or exercising in groups. A lot of people, you know, like doing that as well. Some people don't. Yeah. Uh, so for some people that can be a barrier if, if, you know, they might not want to go to a gym or, you know, exercise around a lot of people, they might prefer to do it at home. So, yeah. again, it's just finding, um, you know, what, they're, what, what, what they like and, and, and yeah, what, what's going to be, you know, more likely for them to, to, to keep doing that regularly, whether it's doing it alone or in, in, in a group um, or supported by someone like a personal trainer yeah absolutely they can help um yeah find ways for people to exercise more efficiently i think yeah for sure and i love how there's so many different options out there for mm. exercising which makes it so much more accessible now as well yeah. so there's really no excuse why you shouldn't so um i'm glad we're sort of debunking all these different things yep. and giving people no excuse as to why they can't exercise so that's really great and my last question for you is is multitasking like a common approach in saving time with exercise? So can we incorporate exercise into our daily lives or activities as well? Yeah, absolutely. So um, there has been a lot of work recently um, looking at individuals who, as part of their work, so for example, office workers who um, spend a lot of their time sitting at their desk, um, a lot of research, including um, some researchers at, uh, at Deakin University, um, where I'm from, who look at the idea of um, kind of snacking on short bouts of activity during a, during a workday. So, um, you know, so it could be every hour or so, 
you know, next to the deck desk doing some, you know, body weight exercises for, you know, even a minute or something like that. So kind of yeah. breaking up that sedentary behavior um, across the day with some short um, snack snacking bouts of exercise. Um, and they've actually found that's had some quite positive effects on what we call metabolic health. So looking at um, blood glucose um, levels and, uh, and, and and those kinds of measures. Um, so I think that can certainly have benefits. And also, yeah, there's, there's a lot being done now on the idea of, of um, breaking up exercise into smaller bouts. You know, instead of doing sort of three longer sessions a week, can you break that up into you know, daily short bouts of 10 minutes or something like that. And 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 that research is actually finding that that, that can be quite effective as well. So, um, you know, there's evidence that bouts of what we call moderate to vigorous physical activity, so anything that kind of, you know, really raises your heart rate a little bit, gets you breathing a little bit to the point where your breathing rate is increased, but you can still maintain a conversation, so nothing too vigorous. Or, or intense, um, bouts of as, as little as five minutes can have benefits for health. Okay. So, um, and that has kind of fed into a lot of the messaging around physical activity guidelines now is, you know, saying that, um, you know, the guideline is to do sort of, you know, 150 minutes or more a week of moderate to vigorous physical activity, but um, there's no sort of requirement for that each session that you do to be a certain length. It's like you can accumulate that time however is feasible for you. So if that's just breaking it up into five or 10 minute sessions throughout your day or whatever it is, then that can still be quite effective as well. So um, yeah, so that's some of the work that we've been doing recently as well with with older adults, um, looking at just doing some body weight strength type exercises and doing it in, in really short bouts. So nine minute bouts of or nine to 10 minute bouts of exercise, you know, where they might do five exercises, do, do them each for a minute. So just do sort of as many reps as they can comfortably in that minute, rest for a minute, go to the next exercise. So we call those sort of resistance exercise snacks. Um, and we've found in some of our research that, you know, older adults can do those up to three times a day um, feasibly for, you know, only a relatively short period. I think we had a, yeah, it was a four week study we did recently um, where they, um, yeah, could in, engage in that that frequently. So they found it, and a lot of people, yeah, commented that they found that that made it easier to integrate exercise into their day if they knew they could sort of spread it into into separate bouts of exercise. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And the more we talk, the more I'm realizing how flexible this idea of like exercising in is, mm. and like you really can save time because you can fit it into whatever you're already doing. Mm. So that's really amazing. And I've just got our open mic section for you now. So here's where you can talk about genuinely anything you would like to. You can expand upon what we've been talking about or bring up anything new. It's a tough one. Um, I, I don't know. I think hopefully I've already yeah covered a lot of the main points. I think I think I've certainly been able to touch on a lot of the main things that I wanted to say about yeah exercising efficiently. So I don't have too much more to add. But yeah, I guess just you know the main points are that you know any exercise is better than none. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people just, yeah, just focusing on that consistency rather than what you're doing. It's just trying to find something that works and just try and do it, you know, regularly. Um, I think every time that you, you know, every time that you show up for an exercise session, it's kind of like another vote for yourself that you are someone who is an exerciser. Yeah. So yeah. like, if you think of it like that, like I think a lot of people, they don't see themselves as someone who's an exerciser. Mm. They just think, oh, that's just not something I do. Mm, yeah. Maybe because they think, their idea of exercise is a little bit um, skewed in a way. Um, but, yeah, I think it's just about we just need to make it easier for people. And 100%. the more guidelines and, you know, programs that we're throwing at people and saying you got to do this, I, I just think it's it's getting in the way a little bit. So yeah. if I was to say, yeah, nothing else, it's just we just need to, to, to keep it simple, keep it consistent. And I think if we can stick to that long term and just find ways to do that, I think that's when the benefits will come. Yeah, amazing. And I think we have kept it pretty simple today and, you know, given people so many options. So thank you for that. And that also brings us to the end of today's episode. So thank you so much for coming into the studio today. And it was really great chatting to you. And I'm sure everyone's been able to take some tips and tricks that they can use for the next time they exercise. I know I have. Um, And for those of us who want to find out more about you, where can we go? 
Sure. So trying to be a little bit more active on social media these days. So trying to share some, yeah, some positive messages about, about exercise just through Twitter and LinkedIn mainly. Okay. Um, so um, on Twitter, I'm at Jackson Fife, and then uh, LinkedIn, um, you can jump on there and, and search me on there as well. So yeah, mainly active on those two, um, on those two social media um, platforms. Um, if you're interested in some of my research, so um, just jumping onto my Deacon profile or um, also have a Google Scholar um, profile as well where there's some more of my research papers, some of which are, are open access, meaning they're openly accessible to the public um, without any uh, any uh, subscription fees. So yeah, any anywhere there, yeah. Awesome. Well, we also have Jackson's details in the description below. So to everyone listening, please don't forget to like and subscribe on whatever platform you're on and we'll see you guys next time. You have been listening to Work in Progress, the personal productivity science insights podcast produced by the Life Management Science Labs. Listen to episodes from LMSL's 10 Life Management Perspectives on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or other podcasting apps on your smartphone. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating our show, sharing it, and subscribing to our channel as it helps other people find it and us grow to bring you more quality resources. More of our work can be found on our website, pp.lmsl.net, where you can join our movement. I'm Joanna. Thanks for tuning in.